Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Pray for Lenny. Lenny's back with us today, um, ready to teach us. And so let's pray for her and then we'll jump into our lesson. God, we just praise your name and thank you for what you have taught us as we've discussed at our tables. Um, we just thank you for what you're doing uh, in your church through this study and through our time together. And I'm asking you, Father, to just um, to help Lenny as she is prepared. Um, would you give her just a recollection of all the things that she's put together for us? But more than anything, would you just move her aside and would you speak to us? Would you teach us? Would you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us? And um, God, would you help us to put it into action as we leave this place? We just want to honor and glorify you with our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you. Okay, ladies, good morning. <clears throat> I'm going to ask that you stand right where you are. We're going to read God's word aloud. I'll read it to you. You listen. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice of every kind of impurity. <clears throat> Pardon me. But that is not what you learned, Christ. That is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put on a put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with someone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, malice, slander be put away from you. I'm sorry, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators as God, of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. May the Lord bless his word. Thank you, ladies. Be seated. This is a story that was told to a king. It's called The Monster. There were two people who lived in a city. One was a poor man and the other a monster. The monster had much, but stole from the man. And then it killed the man to cover the crime. When he heard the story, the king declared, the monster deserves to die and pay back for all the wrong it has done. But then the king looked in the mirror and he saw the monster look back. 
Jesus, we often hide from who we are or pretend to be something different. But the truth is, we are all monsters. Forgive us for all the times we turn from you. Wash us, clean us from our sin and renew a right spirit within us. Well, I suppose if you were to make a short list of the greatest people in the world, King David would make the list. Warrior, king, composer, conqueror, unifier, organizer. He was a man after God's own heart. So great was David that among the most well-known titles of Jesus would be son of David. But David didn't get it right. Even in his best efforts, David sinned. David and his son, King Solomon's kingdom, collapsed under the weight of their sin. Hebrews reminds us, pardon me, there's only one king, only one God, man, who got it right all the time. A man who was perfect and sinless. Jesus came. Jesus came as promised and right on time. He conquered sin and death. He provided salvation through Christ over eternal death. He made us new creations with new hearts that are like Moses' tablets, but now instead of stone, they are hearts of flesh with his word written on them. Now, why repeat this gospel, this news that Christ has made us new? Well, Mainly, it's part of our passage today, but the other thing is that we are forgetful people. We need to hear and be reminded again and again that we are new. Daily, we must remind ourselves to put off and to put on. Matter of fact, I want you to headline in your Bible verses of chapter 4, 17 through 32, to put off and put on. It's a great way to go back and be able to find that quickly as a good reminder we read the words of this truth as you've read this week, but we sleep on. We're too busy. We're too tired. We're too distracted. Our minds are divided and clouded by the lure and the draw of our tiny kingdoms with our little paper lives and bits of pleasure. We continue to live, to think, to behave in ways that show we don't know the man. We don't know Christ happily making excuses, saying, another day. We effectively join our voices with Peter saying in the courtyard, I don't know the man. Yes, we have all made friends with the monster of sin. 2019 at TBC was a difficult year. We here at TBC experienced firsthand despair, sadness, and soulful grief of this world. We lost our beloved pastor Gary in August 2019, thank you, to cancer. When we first heard of his diagnosis over six years ago, we couldn't believe it. This wasn't happening, but it did. Cancer kills. Cancer has another name, it's called malignancy. Medically, the word malignant describes a tumor of potentially unlimited growth that expands locally into adjoining tissue by invasion and systematically metastasizes into other parts of the body. Left alone, 
It will infiltrate and insinuate its way through the entire body, causing death. Sin is like cancer. Sin is a malignancy. Sin is a life-ending cancer. The short video we just watched was the biblical story of Nathan, the prophet, confronting King David after his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. King David, anointed by God. King David, knower of God. King David, sinner. David's story is our story. No, now maybe you haven't committed adultery or you haven't murdered anyone, but you and I are sinners that know God and yet we continue on to live in our sin, making choices each day that truly reflect who the king of our hearts are. 1 John 2, 6, 6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Ladies, evil still masquerades as good and good as evil. So, just how bad do you think you are? Where are you on the sin scale? Do you have a top five or seven or, or top ten? And your thinking might be, just as long as those big sins aren't committed, I'm okay. Well, just in case you're feeling really, really good about yourself, I want to ask you some questions. Have you ever or recently been selfish? Have you ever displayed a lack of self-control? Have you been judgmental of others? Have you experienced bouts of pride, envy, jealousy? Have you cursed God, cursed others? And maybe not with your mouth, but what about with your mind? Have you ever been ungrateful, anxious, frustrated? Do you fret? Do you struggle with being content? Now, we often forget these minor sins. They're a little bit more presentable. They don't sound as bad. We say they're a little bit respectable. Respectable sins we often invite in. We tolerate. We choose to live with them while ignoring them. Deceiving ourselves into believing and saying, I can't help my anger. That's just the way I am. That's how God made me. We want to be Christ followers. You're in this room because you want to be a Christ follower. But you don't maybe want to be a follower that's too extreme, too outspoken, or too different from those around you in the circles that you travel in. We want to blend in a bit so nobody thinks that we're a weird zealot. Paul says we shouldn't look and walk or live like a Gentile, like those that have never learned of Christ. We should not be striving to be a camouflage Christian, a believer who blends in to her surroundings. Different thoughts call us to a different walk. Paul would say it like this, put off your old man, put off your old way of life, put off the old man who is corrupted with deceitful desires, put off all your sin, even the ones that you don't think are too bad. So you do, do you feel a little bit beaten up? Well, you might, because even as I wrote these words and typed them out this week, I saw myself. I saw the fallenness of my humanity. I saw my inescapable ugliness. I saw myself in the mirror of God's word and I was pitifully lacking. 
800 years before the advent of Christ, the prophet Isaiah identified sin as a rebellion against the will of God and the assertion of the right of each man or woman to choose for herself which way she would go. He penned this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is an accurate description of sin. We want what we want. We want to do what we want. We want to think what we want. And we want it the way we want it. And so it goes. The good news is not you feeling better about yourself this morning. I'm not here to do that. You cannot simply become a 2.0 better version of you. You can't just gut it up and be a better person. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, talk, Paul talks about all the grace God has given believers. For example, if you're a believer, God has, given, has forgiven you of all your sins. That's in Ephesians 1.7. He's adopted you into his heavenly family from 1.5. And he will treat you with grace and kindness forever from 2.7. Now in the second half of Ephesians, Paul gives the playbook of how God's grace should change what our hearts want to follow. We die to self and we live for Christ. Or do we? Imagine yourself in a large house in which those who are deaf and those who can hear are living together. In one of the rooms, you see a guy sitting on a chair and he's listening to music on his iPod. Rhythmically, he's tapping his foot, he's drumming his thighs, he's swaying to the beat, and he's pursing his lips like Mick Jagger. I'm not gonna do that. His entire body is moving in response to what his ears are hearing. And it's pretty obvious that he's enjoying himself and listening to a really good song. A few minutes later, one of the deaf persons enters the room. He sees the guy listening to the music and impersonating Mick Jagger, and he thinks, hey, that looks like fun. I'm going to try that. So he sits down next to him, and he, he begins to imitate him. It's a little awkward at first. He tries drumming his thighs and swaying to the music, just like the guy that's listening to the iPod. But with a little practice, he begins to catch on. By watching and trying, he begins to mirror the other guy's actions pretty closely. But although he eventually gets better at keeping time, he concludes oh, this isn't as much fun or as easy as it originally seemed. After a while, a third person enters the room and he sees, watches what's going on. What does he see? Well, he sees two people apparently doing the same thing, apparently listening to the same song. But is there a difference? Well, yeah. The first guy can actually hear the music and his actions are a natural response to the music's rhythm. The second guy is only imitating movements and behavior. This scenario is teaching us what matters most is not the process of growth or learning, but how well we perform and what we look like to others. It could lead us then to look at the Bible and see nothing more than a collection of ethical commands instructing us how to live. But to read the scripture this way is to miss it and reduce it just to actions, to the do's and the don'ts of the Christian life and miss the intent entirely. 
Think of the gospel as music. In order to hear the music of the gospel, we need to understand how God intends his word to function in our lives. And it, it doesn't and it isn't how well we perform or what we produce. Scripture first is to design to expose the sinful condition of our heart. The heart is central to life change. The Bible's intent is not to just describe or prescribe a new behavior. Deuteronomy 8 talks about how God tests our hearts to reveal what's in them. This is precisely what scripture is intended to do. Test and reveal our brokenness that requires the work and the person of Jesus Christ. The scriptures are always pointing our hearts back to the Savior, always. Christians with new hearts must think differently than unsaved people. Thinking differently is right, but it's not simply knowing it's right. Life change rarely occurs from simple knowledge. Let me give you an example. Think of the things that you know you should do. You know you should exercise. Does knowing this ensure that you do it? You know that you uh, should control your eating. Does knowing ensure that you are going to do that? You know you should guard your thoughts. Does knowing this ensure that you will do it? You know you should share your faith. Does knowing this ensure that you will do it? Life change rarely occurs simply from knowing. We should do something. From knowing that we should do something. For us, life change happens more like this. We have the knowledge, ah, feelings, and then action. Some of us may believe that we must feel it before we do it. I'm sure there's nobody in the room that feels that way. It's probably just me. For many of us, our daily living, feelings become paramount. They become important, the most important. How many times have you not taken action simply because you didn't feel like it? Don't show your hands. <laughs> Someone can know, for example, that she should end a particular dating relationship but she won't do it until at some level she wants to. She has to feel like it. We often live as women by our emotions. How we wake up and feel today determines what we will do that day. And God help the man, woman, child, or dog that gets in the way. Our feelings hijack us, they victimize us, they lie to us, and yet we give in to them. So what do we need to do for lasting and sustained change to occur? Well, we look in the word and it says in Ephesians 4, 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. If God wanting our hearts is the central theme of scriptures, then verse four in Ephesians verse 23 tells us what the motivating force necessary to bring about a change of heart is being renewed in your mind. Mind renewal in Christ happens. It's the only way that it happens. The pattern of your thinking doesn't remain as it is, should not remain as it is before your salvation. Nor do you change it by knowing, nor do you change it by feeling that you should. When God illumines our mind with truth, we should see the urgency, 
and the responsibility of the truth. And in turn, we become energized and we become motivated by it. Our response should be, this is right. I must do it. This is beautiful. I must praise it. This is compelling. I must believe it. We are renewed as God's word changes us. God's word should have a visceral effect on our minds. In Ephesians 4, Paul is saying, don't think, suffer, act, cry, be in despair. Don't live like you have no hope in this world. Take off your grave clothes and live. You had a crisis when you accepted Christ. You went from death to life. Through Christ, once and for all, we have been given a new position, his children, his heirs. Every day we must fight from being conformed, pushed, bullied, shoved into this way of the world's thinking. Dave Tate, a pastor here at TBC this past Sunday, said something that was very true for our study in Ephesians, though he was referencing Genesis. He said, identity precedes activity. Now, if you and I have learned nothing else from this study in Ephesians, we should know who we are. We talked about this at our table. This defines us. We are adopted. We are chosen. We are sealed. These are not just words that describe someone else. These are our identifiers. Our thinking changes day by day by being renewed again and again and again and again. Reading God's word, listening to the word preached, daily meditating on his truth. How will you and I ever gain a mind that will see through all the silly schemes of this world unless we know scripture? Unless we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16, when I read this verse, ladies, I was like blown out of the water because it says, for who has understood the mind of Christ so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. I was like, I want that. I want that. The mind of Christ is the way of looking at life as Jesus does. Seeing life as he sees it. It is seeing what is really there, but not just what seems to be there. It is seeing what is really important, not just what looks to be important. You can't have that mind unless you are having your mind renewed and accessed by scripture every day. Oh, look at that coat. Now, I did not take this out of my closet. Although I'm certainly old enough to have a coat that looks like that. Here is our coat though. It is comfy and it's cozy and it fits well. And you know what? It's dingy and the fur is matted, but I love it. It smells like me. It feels good and it fits real nice. I don't want to give it up. You might have one of those in the back of your closet. Paul says to take off that nasty coat, your old way of thinking and doing, reject Basic assumptions which have caused trouble, putting them off, refusing them, divesting yourself just as you would a dirty coat. See, you and I have learned a secret, something the world doesn't know. It's the mystery of the cross. It's the mystery of death to life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Let that reverberate in your spirit He became our old life, our old egocentric self, our old coat-loving self. Jesus became my ugly sin on the cross. 
Now, if the word of God does not tell us that, you would never know it. You have no capacity to. Nor would we ever be able to understand anything of the depths of the mystery of the cross, but God, but God. He has fulfilled these ancient promises all in Christ. Christ gives us his coat and we put on, oh, that lovely new coat of his righteousness. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now you may be sitting there thinking, again with the gospel? But I cannot stop talking about the gospel. I cannot stop speaking about what Christ has done for me. I am dumbfounded again and again at his gracious and merciful kindness to me. I am amazed that his story has become my story. When Jewish parents are teaching their children about Passover, they are taught to be part of the story. To say, when we were led out of Egypt and into the wilderness by God, they are not remembering what God did once upon a time or for their ancestors, but they're being swept into the story themselves and joining those who were delivered out of Egypt. That is their identity. You and I as former Gentiles and outcasts can say with God's chosen, I too was delivered from Pharaoh's host. And now when I take the Lord's Supper or communion, I can say it's not remembering what Jesus did for others or even for me 2,000 years ago, but it's what he is doing now in my midst to sweep me into his story. He is changing me. He is sanctifying me. He is causing me to look more like his son as I cooperate with the spirit that lives within me. Even now, I am seated in heavenly places with him. He is even now with me in the wilderness, freeing me from slavery. Even now, he is preparing a place for me to come where he will dwell with me. When we, the universal body of Christ, get swept up in the story and the life of Christ and we truly begin to live like Christ is our story, then walking as he has instructed us to walk, we become more and more like what he has told us we are, the bride of Christ. Therefore, if you have any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of his love, if any fellowship in the spirit, if any affection or compassion, then make my joy complete by being one mind, having the same love, being united in one spirit and purpose, being in full accord and one mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We lift up holy hands in praise and worship to a mighty God who has condescended to us, who has given us life, who has given us purpose, who has given us meaning, and we are grateful women today. Lord, as we go forward, let us walk in those good works that you have prepared for us today. Let us shine the light of Christ um, to others, especially those in our home, our children, our husbands. We love you. We thank you again for the gospel. Amen.